The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, look at verse number 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look down at chapter 41 and verse number 10. It says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Let's go ahead and pray. Ask God to bless the preaching this morning. And then I'll give you what the Lord's given me from here. Just a couple of thoughts I think will be a help to everybody. Brother, uh, Brother Bema, would you mind asking God to bless the preaching, please? Father. Amen. Thank you. All right, look at verse number 29 in chapter number 40. It says here, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. What I found interesting about that is that He actually zeroes in, in verses 29 and 30, on the fact that some people get pretty weak, right? To the faint. And then you see the youth shall faint and be weary. The problem with young people is that they're too strong. That's, that's the only problem. <laughs> uh, when you're young, you got it real good, you know. Uh, you got endless energy. You feel like you're never going to die. You know, that happened to somebody else, but that'll never happen to me. And, and you just got this, this, I'll never quit, and I'll never, that kind of a thing, you know. It's just that youthful energy, that youthful strength. And what God's saying in this passage is that even young people that got it all together and that have their whole life ahead of them, um, you're going to hit some points in your life where you realize you ain't got it sooner or later. And some young people, unfortunately, hit these things even though they're serving Jesus Christ. I noticed what he said in verse number 29, though. It said, he giveth power to the faint. Now watch it. And to them that have no might, what does he do? He increases their strength. What I want to talk to you about this morning is recovering from tough times. I, I feel maybe a little bit more liberty to start speaking about it because I officially quit jujitsu uh, after Sophia's uh, situation last week. I just, I just know where I'm at in life and I'm not taking a chance on getting hurt. And there's other things, other priorities, things that are more important to me than that. Made me feel better that all the guys went to Worlds last week. I was spo- yesterday, I was supposed to go this year, and I just didn't feel like I was supposed to. 
for some reason, I just all year just felt like I'm not supposed to. And, and I was like, man, you can do it. You can do it. You got robbed last the last time. Let's go. You can do it. And, and I'm, I didn't doubt that. I mean, oh, honestly, it sounds terrible. But yeah, I, I know. But I just didn't. Man, God sure knew, didn't he? I'm glad I wasn't there. And honestly, I've enjoyed it. It's been great for me. It's been one of the best things ever. It's got me through the times when the church was still growing and the family was small. And it just, I feel like it's been wonderful for me. I'm a fighter. I like to fight. I'll probably always like to fight. So now that I don't get it out of my system, don't mess with me, okay? Uh, Derek, on the way back from, from uh, Indiana, uh, John and Derek had brought Josh's car down and, uh, to help Dave out and then rode back with me on, on uh, Monday. And uh, Derek, when I told him, I said, you guys going to think I'm a sissy if I quit jits because I'm done. And they're like, no, no, not at all. And Derek says, I bet I can whoop you. <laughs> I said, don't you dare, man. I hit the brake and started pulling over the side of the road like we'll go on the median right now. You understand what I'm saying? But that being said, it's just time for me. It just is. I just know it. So that being said, one thing I learned is that in order to get better, you have to get pushed to absolute exhaustion. In order to truly get good at anything, you have to get pushed beyond your own means and capabilities. Our coach would push us, especially getting ready for any kind of a big competition, like, like, I mean, horrible. I can't even explain to you the horrible feeling when you go for an hour straight with very short breaks in between rounds and it's like okay guys it's blankety blank Friday and that meant we warm up and then we fight for an hour that's that's a terrible feeling five minutes doesn't seem long to you when I say five minutes you think nothing of it well five minutes of intensity is exhausting at the end of the class there's guys laying there that can't stand up we just lay there you're trying to get your heart rate down What you learn is when you run out of strength, you're forced to rely on heart and technique. You understand what I'm saying? You realize that God allows things in your life and will allow things in your life to get you to the point where you have no more strength. Because that is the only way for him to make you stronger. That really is how you increase strength. If you study any of the big-time bodybuilders, they will tell you you have to go to exhaustion and beyond. They push themselves to exhaustion. Everybody says, oh, it's just roids. That's actually a very little part. And, it, and they're, they're horrible. They're the worst thing in the world. They're not okay. But they're a very little part of what those guys do. The roids help them go beyond. I get that. Recover quicker. I understand all that stuff. But those guys got heart. They pushed themselves to the absolute limit. And then, with the help of somebody else standing there, your spotting partner, give me two more reps. Failure and beyond. You've got to understand that in order to get stronger, you have to get to that moment where the youths utterly faint. To where there is no more strength. To where you really are overwhelmed and you really don't know what to do from here. Now, I want to say this because it's highly important for me to say. Everybody hits those points in their life sooner or later. You do understand that, right? It's not like anybody has a persecution complex. 
You know, it's not like, well, this is something that is commonly said. Well, I don't want to talk about my problems because there's so many people that have so much worse problems than me. Okay, so where does that end? Do you understand what I'm saying? You can always have, find somebody that's got a worse sob story than yours, right? You can always find somebody that had it worse than you, but that doesn't change the fact that in your life, things happen. In your life, problems come. In your life, heartbreaks show up. And those stressors, stresses and those pressures and those things like that, they, they get you so wore out, so weak. Do you know sometimes it's worse to deal with something for the long haul? I mean, like a tough marriage. I mean, like something that other people would look at, oh, that's little. Sometimes it's worse to have a problem that sticks with you the rest of your life than it is to have a big problem that goes away. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to realize that the devil knows and God knows where you're at, who you are, and whether or not you're a Christian, you're still going to have problems in this life. It's not about you being a Christian. Oh, I'm saved, so therefore nothing's going to happen anymore. I've preached that to you endlessly over the years. I've never tried to present to my family or to my church that if you do this, then that's the magic pill and everything in your life is always going to be perfect. That's not reality. And the foolishness that I've heard in a lot of churches is, well, God must be judging you. Well, you must be a jackleg. You don't know what you're talking about. Because when I read my Bible, some of the people God loves the most go through some very, very hard times. I mean, think about how much God loved his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved him a whole lot, and he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary, for his, not, not for his friends, for his enemies, for sinners. God Almighty loved his son, but the Bible says it pleased. God to bruise him and then we're told to take up our cross and follow him so so stay with me on this thought watch this religion defines things a certain way I'm supposed to take up my cross and follow Jesus that means I have to wear a certain kind of garment every time I go into public that means I have to sell my house and take all my goods and feed the poor. That means I have to go to a mission field. That means I have to be a preacher. That means taking up my cross and following him. What does that mean? Well, although some of those things may be involved in taking up your cross, your cross does not look like the next person's cross. What he's talking about is living your life. And realizing that you have to die to yourself and your own feelings. You have to die to what it is you want and be willing to bear what he puts on you because he will allow things to be on you. He'll allow you to go through things that wear you out, that make you weak, that put a weight on you. And what he'll do with that because of how great he is, is he'll increase your strength. But I'll, just, I'll be honest with you, we'll get into it in just a second. You don't, you don't always know that. That don't always even look possible. I'm, talk, I'm being real this morning with you. I'm so sick of fake Christianity I could puke. I'm so sick of super spiritual talk it makes me choke. I just can't take it anymore. I got a real God and I'm living a real life and I got a real family and my walk with Jesus Christ is real. It's not fake. And what we're talking about this morning is something very real, getting wore out and weighed down and frustrated and to the point where you pretty much just want to quit, actually to the point you do quit. Everybody likes to talk about Dr. Ruckman. Some of these jack-leg, moronic idiots think they're going to be the replacement. They lost their mind. You know how many times he quit? He quit. It was God that sustained him and kept him in. 
and made him the man you know and you look up to. I said he quit. Read his book. Because of the weight that got put on him. Because a man as strong as he was, and boy, they don't come any stronger. That man had a warrior spirit. I mean, an absolute warrior spirit. That was what it was about him. That's what made him the man he was. That was how God wired him. And other men were like, I'll follow that guy. That guy was little. Somebody told me recently, older man, we didn't look at him like that. I was like, man, he was like five foot seven or something. He wasn't much bigger than, when I met him, I'm like, I thought this guy was a monster. Like, you're really small, you know. It was his spirit. It was what God put in him. He had a strong human spirit. And I am telling you, that spirit broke. He got wore out. It was God that sustained him. And it's God that can sustain you and me. So what you notice is, he giveth power to the faint. What you notice is that even the youth faint and be weary. So God allows them to get to that point where they can't go on anymore. And what you need to do when you get to that point, hear me, what you need to do when you get to that point is you need to recover. You understand what I'm saying? It's the recovery process that builds the strength. Powerlifters, professional bodybuilders, excuse the goofy analogies, but they work. Any professional athlete, actually, a professional, the high level, the best in the world, They know that just as important as their training is rest. That a part of recovery is rest and nutrition. And when they figure all that out and balance it all, they can go to levels other people can't go to. The same thing is true in your spiritual life. Okay, so the pressure's on. You know, the pressure's been on our church for quite a while now. And have you seen how it's been growing? Have you seen what God's been doing? Have you seen the souls getting saved? Have you seen what a great God we've got, how good it is, and the pressure seems to be increasing, not letting up? God will not allow these things to destroy you. You better remember that now, even if this has nothing to do with you today, even if you're young and your life's great, I'm telling you, sooner or later, you're going to need this message. God will put these things in your soul and you'll pull from them at a later point in your life. It might be 10, 15, or 20 years from now, but you need this message. You've got to know how to recover because if you don't recover, you won't get stronger, but God intends for you to get stronger. Now watch. Go back to the beginning of... Isaiah chapter 40. How do I recover? Look at verse 1. Comfort ye. Comfort ye my people. Saith your God. Speak ye comfortably, comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. That her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, one of the ways spiritually that you recover is experiencing the comfort of Almighty God. If you haven't experienced it, then you need to get on your knees and you need to tell God, Lord, I I need to experience this. And Lord, I don't even know how to experience this, but... You said, Jesus, that you had to go away because it was expedient for us that you'd go away because if you don't go away, the comforter wouldn't come. And you said there's a comforter here, God, and so I have to trust you by faith that there's a comfort. I need to experience the comfort of the Holy Ghost of God. Your heavenly Father wants to comfort you when he sees you wore out. 
He just wants to sit down next to you and put his arm around you. Don't listen to the devil. I said already, and I'm repeating it again, no matter whether you're saved or lost in this lifetime, under the sun, the book of Ecclesiastes, because of the curse of sin, you're going to suffer. It rains on the just and on the unjust, right? Problems happen to save people and lost people, right? Problems happen to backslidden Christians and Christians serving Jesus Christ, right? I mean, I got a list. I was thinking about it this morning and praying through a list. I got about six people I'm fairly close to right now that I know of, no, actually maybe a little more than that, that I know personally who have buried children. Man, I was just praying, God, comfort those people. I don't know how in the world they do that. I don't know how in the world somebody gets through that, God. It's got to be supernatural. God, you've got to comfort them. Please, God, we need the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And it's the Father's will for you to be comforted in your pain. The difference between you and people that don't have Him is they have to deal with their pain on their own. But you get an opportunity to make a decision. Did you hear me? We get so super spiritual about spirituality that it becomes impractical and unrealistic and we miss it. It is a decision you have to make in your problems to say, Lord, I want to experience your comfort and I'm drawn nigh to you. If you draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. You know, there's a great comfort in just the forgiveness of sins alone. That's in verse number two. He said, cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. And man, the day is coming when we'll be done with this fight. And that'll, that'll honestly be a great day. Can I just say this without saying it super spiritually? Josh would not come back right now if he could. I'm telling you right now, he would not. He's got a whole new perspective. He's no longer stuck in time. He doesn't even evaluate anything the way you and I evaluate it. He doesn't see it the way we see it. I mean, it's even possible, and I'm not making a big doctrinal stand on this because I will not exercise myself after things that are too high for me, and this is one of them. But it's possible by reading my Bible that you're already there with him. He's not like I'm walking around missing my family. I mean, you read the book of John and he saw, he saw you there in the book of Revelation. So it's possible since he's not in time, he's in eternity now, that he's, he's there with you. I mean, he doesn't want to come back here. You understand that? The problem is for those that are here. I'm telling you, it's a great thing that he knows his sins were forgiven. He understood that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he trusted him as his Savior because if not, he'd have it worse than ever. Now he'd be burning in hell like some of you will be if you don't get it's safe for you leave here today. I'm not being mean to you. I'm telling you what that book says, and all you've got in this world Amen. is the knowledge that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Amen. A man that went to hell in Luke chapter 16, the one cry he had, the one request he had from hell when, when he knew he couldn't get out, go tell my family not to come here. Now you think about that. If you're not saved this morning, you need to know and experience the comfort that comes from the pardon for sin. He says in verse number 2, Her iniquity is pardoned. She hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Listen to me. Your punishment has been paid if you're born again. This, this whole concept has literally blown my mind in the last two weeks. I, I, I understand it in a way I've never understood it before. How much God loves me. I literally, I literally never got it, even though I got it. I, I told my daughters this. I said, 
if I could, I think I mentioned this to you Wednesday, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I said, if I could, if it was possible, I would take every bad news, every disappointment, every sickness, every bereavement, every everything you're ever going to experience or ever have experienced in your life, all four of you, I would take it all on myself. I mean, even if it, even if it crushed me, it, even if it made me a shell of a human being, I would take it all on myself so the four of you could go and just live your life and never have a problem. I, I mean that. You know why? I love my kids. Can I say something really belligerent? I mean, really rude right now, and I don't mean it. I mean it. I mean it, but I'm not trying to be a jerk. I could never give one of my kids for somebody else. Right. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm not God. I can't love like that. And if I'm looking at it and I'm seeing my child saying, Father, please, if there's any other way, I'd say, oh, yeah, there's another way. For my friends. Greater love that no man than this and that a man laid on his life for his friend. You know, men can do that. I mean, I think I, think I could probably do that for a friend of mine, a real friend. My family, that shouldn't even be a question in our minds. I cannot imagine giving my child for my friend. It's totally different if I'm going to give myself for my friend. Right. I mean, like one of my kids told me, you've already lived your life. And like, yep, you had it, you know. They got their whole life ahead of them. I, 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 can't, I cannot, let alone my enemies. It's all I can do to be kind to my enemies. To pretend I don't know what they're saying about me. To not choke them out. To not think and curse their name and spit at their feet. It's every, it takes everything in me just to show kindness to somebody who I know doesn't like me, who I know has been criticizing me, or who I know is against me. It's everything in me. I need God's help just to be kind. Let alone give my child for my enemy. You lost your mind. And God did it. God gave his son who took on himself on that cross every wicked thought, every wicked deed, every ungodly thing you've ever done. He put it on his son so he could save your soul eternally. I can't comprehend a love like that. But I'll tell you this much. I've experienced it. Because Jesus Christ came into my heart and saved my soul when I asked him to according to that book. He did it. And I am telling you the forgiveness of sin is overwhelmingly comforting. To know in spite of myself. I mean, I was even talking to God about it as I'm getting this message ready. And I'm thinking, God, I, I cannot believe that you loved me like that and forgave me like that even though you knew after I understood your love, after I'd taken advantage of the sacrifice you gave, after I trusted your son as my savior and known what he did for me and known what you did for me, I would sin against you in spite of it, knowing I'm saved with the spirit of God in me and the truth of the word of God in me, I'd still sin as a saved man and you still saved my soul. I can't comprehend that kind of love. But I've experienced it. And I know that if he loves me like that, that he can help me through my problems. And honestly, it brings a recovering to my heart in knowing the forgiveness of sins and the comfort of God. I'm also comforted in his protection. Look at verses 9 and 10. 
O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up unto the high mountains. O Jerusalem that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. See that? Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord will come, watch it with strong hand, and His arms shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. You know, that strong hand of God is a protecting hand. You realize God knows things we don't know. And it is comforting to me to know that God always has my best interest in mind. I I get to points where I don't have a choice. I'll never forget during the COVID shutdown. It stressed everybody, right? It stressed me as a pastor on top of the regular life stuff. There was the church worries. And I remember having to just sit back and say, God, you know, and that's your church, and if the church don't make it, let it not be my fault. Don't let me be derelict in my duty. Don't, don't let it be because of me. And if it doesn't, you got something else for my life. You know what a comfort it is when it's beyond your control? To be able to sit back and say, I'm in your arms, Lord. I, I can't control what's happened. I can't control what's going on. I just have to ask you to comfort me. Do you know what will help you start healing? A lot of people go through things and really never come out better. They never get through them because why? They never learn how to recover. You just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get up. I'm not keep Come on, let's go. Keep pushing. Let's, I'm not going to quit. Oh, shut up. See, I'm sorry. Visitors, I'm sorry. I'm actually pretty tame this morning. So, But, but literally, I mean, shut up. Brother, I'll never quit on God. I know what it's like. I, every time I hear that, I just want to distance myself from the guy. I, I your lack of experience screams louder than your arrogant boasting. We need the comfort of God. If you don't learn to sit back sometimes and just say, Lord, I'm not doing anything but cuddling up next to you and asking you to hug me. If that's too effeminate for you, keep it to yourself. Amen. I, I need it right now. I need, I need, I need you, God, I just need your comfort. If you don't learn to do that, you will eventually be out. Number two, I want you to notice the cry. The comfort that comes from the Heavenly Father, but there's a cry that comes from the Heavenly Father. Look at verse number 5. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Watch it. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and the goodliness thereof is the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. God says, here, I want you to give my people a message. I want you to tell them something. I want you to deliver a message to them. And then the answer is like, what am I supposed to say? I don't know how often you've ever been there. I was there this weekend, last week. God, what in the world am I supposed to say? You know, don't you get sick of people that always think they know what to say? The the people that always have all the answers for you? You know, you need to live long enough to get to a point where you don't even know the answers and you can't figure it out and it doesn't make any sense. And let me just frankly say, it ain't fair. Explain it. 
Lord, what am I supposed to say? What shall I cry? What is the message? How can anything good come out of this? I mean, I, I just don't see any profit. Do you know there are times when you get like that? There are times when you don't know, and I'm telling you, that's when you're on the bottom, spiritually speaking, because it doesn't make sense, and everything you've been told about God isn't adding up to your life experience and to what the Bible says about Him. That's why I preach the Bible to you, because I've showed you from the Bible, you'll get to these points, it's in the Bible. The stinking religion ain't worth nothing, it ain't worth a penny. Somebody self-righteous, new-agey, power of positive thinking. They don't have a stinking clue, man. You just can't power a positive think yourself out of a coffin. It doesn't work. But God's got some answers for us in the Bible. When you want to recover, you've got to hear the cry of God. And oftentimes your answer is, God, what am I... God, here, I'm going to give you a message. God, what message? Go to Isaiah chapter 50, please. Look at verse number 4. A prophecy here of Jesus Christ. And in, He's in the human flesh. He says this, He says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. See the connection between our passage and this? He waketh morning by morning, he waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He said, The Lord God gave me the tongue of the learned. What shall I say? God will show you what to say. Lord, what am I supposed to answer? God will speak to you. I am telling you this week, the Bible has been so much more to me than it's really been in a very, very, very long time. It's amazing to me that I can open up my Bible and start to read and stuff's just like jumping out. I'm having to go back and read it over and over again. You know what's amazing? Lexi and Josh are reading their Bible together over the phone regularly. Sunday night, she says to her dad, I want you to pick up and read to me where we left off. You know what? He opens up his Bible to Colossians chapter 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Joshua's favorite verse was chapter 16. Verse 16, chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, speaking and admonishing one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You see the power of that book? That's amazing. Dave says he's out at a special meeting on, on Sunday night. They had an afternoon service and he went to another meeting on Sunday night and the preacher is preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What I'm trying to tell you is the Bible will help you recover when you go through your hard times. 
David said, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. David was wiped out. He couldn't do it. Not being dramatic. Not being, oh my gosh. Not feeling sorry for himself. He was broken. He said, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy words. You know what you need? You need a Bible. You need to hear what God has to say. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 and I want you to see verses 7 and 8. The Bible has an authoritative cry to it. It has an answering cry. What shall I cry? Well, the Bible, you don't know. You don't know what to say sometimes, but God will give you the tongue of the learned. God will show you what God wants you to see in it. But in verses 7 and 8, it's an authoritative cry. The glass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Do you know God is good for His promises? Yes, sir. All of them. Every promise of, the God, of God is good. He comes, he's not like men. You see, we judge it because we're looking at it in time. We judge it because we're seeing this tiny little snippet of our own lives. But listen, Almighty God is in eternity and He always comes through in the end. I promise you, God will never let you down. Every doctrinal promise in the Bible, He's going to keep. He said He'd save your soul if you called on Him. If you call on Him, He'll keep His word and save your soul. If you go to hell, it's your fault. When he tells you he'll keep that salvation once he gives it to you, he'll keep it. You can't lose it because he said he'd keep it. When he said he's coming back, he's coming. When he said he'll comfort you, he'll comfort you. When he says he'll strengthen you in your weakness, he'll do it. God's good for his promises. You can count on it. Because the Bible is authoritative. That's why people don't like Bible preaching. You're a rare breed of people. You know why? Too authoritative. We live in a day and age people don't like authority. Everybody wants to be the authority. Well, guess what? I'm not and you're not. And I don't care if you think you are or not. I'm not. And you're not. God is. He wrote the book. He created the whole thing. He created you. And He allows circumstances in our lives. God didn't do it. Do you hear me? God didn't do it. God put us in a garden. He put us in a perfect place where sin was not supposed to touch us. And He's taken us to a place where sin won't touch us and will wipe away every tear from the eye. God's good for it. In the meanwhile, if you want to bounce back from what life and or the devil and or the flesh, none of it really matters. God knows and none of it really matters where it's coming from. It doesn't really matter. If you want to bounce back from it, you better be in His Word. You better hear the cry of the Heavenly Father. It's an authoritative cry. Look at verses 13 and 14. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being His counselor, hath taught Him? With whom took He counsel, and who instructed Him, and taught Him in the path of judgment, and taught Him knowledge, and showed Him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of the bucket, and are counted as small as dust of the balance. Behold, He taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Lebanon's not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts there are sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted him less than nothing and vanity. To whom will ye liken God, or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Do you see the, the size of God? The power of God? 
He created this whole thing. So who's going to tell God, hey, listen, you know, you didn't do me right by this? Really? Dave sat in my car and said, and I won't, I'm not going to share any more than I, than I, I'll be careful about what I'm saying. I, I'm aware of where I'm at. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, he didn't say, why would God do that to me? Now, you need to pray that he can stay there. Long road ahead of him, right? Pray for the grace of God on him. But that was a pretty big thing to say in the moment, in my opinion. That's tough. But honestly, do you know more than God? Show me one star you made. One. Show me one blade of grass you spoke into existence. Show me one human being you breathed into their nostrils. Just one, not billions. One. The breath of life. Show me one raindrop you made fall. Show me one localized drought you created. Show me one person you healed that doctors couldn't heal. Show me one soul you saved. You know what you got? You know what you got as a human? Same thing I got as a human. I'm not beating up on you. You got nothing. <laughs> you got nothing. Where are you going to go? I asked, you, I asked you a question. Where are you going to go? Well, oh, it's just so hard. Okay, so, so it's going to get easier if you don't have God? You're going to get mad at God. You're going to run from God. You're going to push Him away? You're going to push God away. You know more than God. No, you don't. In order to recover, you know what you need? You need God's help, and I need it, man. I need it bad. <laughs> I need it bad. I'm pathetic. You have no idea how pathetic I am. I promise you, I'm way more pathetic than you think I am. I need Him, man. I know how bad I need Him. I need His Word. I need His comfort. And he's good for it. Last of all, I need confidence in his strength. Look at verse 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Isn't that amazing? You know that ocean? I don't like the ocean at all. I've seen an article. They're calling these little bugs mini, mini sharks or something like that. They're, they're coming up to south, in south, south California off the beach there in, in, in the water. And they're, they're these little tiny like bugs, half-inch bugs. And they're coming in in swarms and people are in the water and they're all like biting their feet. And they, they're calling them mini sharks because they're like carnivorous little bugs. They're coming out of the water and they burn real bad, hurt real bad for a few seconds and then it goes away, but they, they, like, they're getting stung. That's, that's kind of wild, ain't it? The water scares me. There's weird stuff in the water. That's my point. I don't, I don't want to, you know, God, God just measure the oceans like that. That's a powerful God, man. That's an amazing God. In verses 15 through 17, the nations are as a drop of the bucket. They're counted as dust in the balance. Lebanon, all those massive forests, they're not, that's not enough for God's bonfire. If God wants to sit around and have a, you know, a little bonfire and some, break out the hymn book and roast some s'mores, Lebanon wouldn't do it for him. He's showing you the size and the power and the magnitude of Almighty God. And He's giving you something you can see so that you can compare that to what He is as best as you can know. And what He's saying is everything you can see isn't enough. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Look at verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretched out the heaven as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. The, the, the universe. 
I got a big hang up about my windows being closed at night. I cannot stand having the lights on in the house and it dark outside. I can't sit on my couch and relax. I think some snipers out there, what are you thinking off me? You know what I mean? Like I just have a hang up about it. Or some creeps are like cruising the neighborhood, checking the house out, waiting to break in, right? My kids are all laughing because they know how I am. You know what I do? I walk by that curtain, I grab it, and I just, whoop, just like that, and just uh, shut those windows. And there's four of them, so it takes me a little. I got to do one, two, you know, three, four, you know. God stretched out the heavens, the, the universe, outer space. That's a big God. That's a powerful God. That's a strong God. And yet he lets you get so weak you don't think you can go on anymore. And then takes just a little bit of that power and reaches down and goes, all right, let's get, another, let's get through another day. You've got to have confidence in the power of God. It'll help you recover. Look at verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. You know what the Bible says in Romans? That God's able to hold you up. Psalms, God can hold you up. He calls all the stars by name. He knows every single one of them. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and dies. You want to hear how, how, how soft I'm getting? Quit jujitsu and just start softening up just like that. You want to hear how soft I'm getting? A stinking, I got up in the morning. We were out of coffee. Nobody else was up yet. So I'm like, uh-oh, this is like a bad, bad, bad problem. This is like earth-shattering issue, right? So I jump in the car, and I'm running up to Big B to get coffee and get it back to the house before the girls wake up. And, and I took the dog with me, so because if I let her out of the mud room, take her out and go to the bathroom, put her, she's going to go scratch at somebody's door, so somebody lets her come jump in bed with them, right? Yes, she jumps in bed with them. Just get over it. It's our problem, okay? She's a boogie-boogie, you know? Anyways, so I'm in the car... Sorry you had to see that. That was bad. Uh, I'm in the car, and a squirrel runs out in front of the car. And I'm like, ah! I locked it up, man. Dog goes flying. <laughs> yes, that's what happened to her. <laughs> Why? I, I didn't want to kill it. I, I didn't want it to die. What's the point in it dying? Do you know God would have known if I ran that squirrel over? And you think he doesn't care about you. He knows every hair on your head. He's got every hair on your head number. Do you know the hairs on your head? How many hairs you got on your head? There ain't a person in the room that can tell us that maybe, well, one or two, you look like you might be able to. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, brother, I looked at you at the wrong time. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? He loves you. He's got that kind of power. He knows you. So let me give you the conclusion of the message. Look at verse number 29. The blessing of the weakness is that he giveth power to the faint. When God sees you down at the bottom, he has pity on you like a father. With power to the faint, to them that have no might, he increases strength. In troubled times, God comes along and he gives you something you don't have on your own. We witnessed it this weekend, or whenever it was. Yeah, it was Friday, this weekend. Verse 30, even the faint youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But in verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You see that process of time? 
You see that weight on the Lord? Well, that's serving Him. Yes, it is. But it also, because I've found other verses where the word wait is used literally in the sense of sitting down and waiting. So there's a dual sense, sense that that's used. And it takes a process of time to recover. You can't recover overnight. That's why I don't buy it. When, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Oh, we're fine. Oh, no, 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 you're not. You will be later if you get smart and handle it the way God wants you to handle it. It takes time. But if you wait on the Lord, what does He do? He rebuilds those tore-up muscles. He repairs those bruises. He patches up those painful points. He wraps up that broken leg. He lets you sit it out and elevate it and put ice on it. And before you know it, you're like, man, it's pretty amazing what God's done. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look down at verse number 10, chapter 41. Chapter 41, verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I tell you, God's promises are good. He always does what he says he'll do. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God will strengthen you. God will help you. And what he tells you to do is don't be afraid. Experience my presence. You see why God locked me up from anything but this passage and gave her that song and then gave her more grace to get through that song than he's given me to get through this message? Isn't that amazing? That wasn't a strategy. That wasn't like, hey, honey, here's how we're going to work this. That was God. He says, I'm with thee. I'll strengthen thee. I'll help thee. I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You know, some good starts coming out of it eventually. The book of 2 Corinthians is all about the ministry and the key word throughout the book of 2 Corinthians is comfort. I asked God a while ago to help me to be more of a comforting pastor because I know I'm not real comforting sometimes and I didn't really see it in his plans to <laughs> allow things that happen that happen. To, but, but what I'm trying to say is you have to experience his comfort in order to be able to help other people get comforted. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, right? You know what God does with all your problems? He shows up, He makes Himself real, He gets you through them, He makes you stronger, and then He uses you to help somebody else going through the same thing that you went through. That, folks, is real ministry, and that's somebody who's really recovered. They come out better than they were before. But it's only God that can do that. You can't do it. You've got to have Him to do it. Let's stand to our feet this morning.